Mr. Smith reporting over WOR New York, 710 on your dial. And here's Gene Shepard. Cincinnati is such a tough town, I'll tell you. I mean, the people are really tough out there. A uh, pistol-packing man threatened Van Clay's life Wednesday if he did not turn over his wallet. Go ahead and kill me, Clay said. I've been thinking of doing it myself. The robber just walked down the street with a sad look. There you go. It's the first time you've worked this, isn't it? Yes, indeed. I mean, really worked it. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's a difference. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of like it. That says a great deal about the tenor of our times, though. You know, guys getting held up, and somebody puts a gun in his ribs. And uh, says, all right, put him up. This is a robbery. Stick up. Hand over your dough. Or I'll kill you. At which point the guy looks him in the eye and says, hey, that'll, that'll be kind of a convenience. I've been thinking of a way to do it myself. Go ahead and shoot. And it says a great deal about our world. I mean, you know, if you're going to be metaphysical about it, I, you know, <laughs> nothing like a metaphysical uh, thought. Uh, you know, speaking of metaphysicals, uh, the comments on our time. Now, here, here, I, I don't know whether this is a good, uh, a good uh, sign or not. You know, the straws in the wind department. I don't know whether it's good or not. I got a note here by the Associated Press from Seattle. I can't tell at this point whether it is a later investigation. And scientific testing will produce uh, a conclusion. I have not come to a conclusion about this. Well, when I was out in Seattle, a couple of... Uh, well, I was out in Seattle last year, see? And one of the first things I heard about Seattle... Seattle has... Did you know that Seattle has a rumor center? The Seattle Rumor Center. And... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they process rumors. That's it. And, and they have an all-night, 24-hour-a-day phone number. You know, like here in town, you can dial a prayer. Uh, you know, you can dial a, a good thought for the day. Uh, whatever happened to the outfit they had in town where you could dial a poem? Remember that one? 
Yeah, you dial these guys, you know, and you get a, I guess they, uh, you know, a lot of bad poetry got on, and eventually the calls dropped off. And so, <laughs> but they, you know, you could dial a poem here in town. And uh, in certain cities now, you can dial an analyst. In fact, lately, I don't know whether whether you've noticed on late television, it's always on very late TV, they, because I guess the theory, and I think there is a modicum of truth to this, the theory is that if you're watching at 4.15 a.m., you're watching a movie that was blasted by the critics as being rotten in the year 1928, and it hasn't gotten any better since. And in fact, uh, uh, the only thing that's changed about it is that, this, is that the, uh, the film has gotten raggedy, it's been cut up, you can't see what you're looking at, it looks like it was filmed underwater in the Okefenokee Swamp, and uh, you're sitting there watching it. What, doesn't that say something about you? When you got to go to work at 7.15 a.m., right? It says a great deal about you. So what do they have on those shows? If you notice, one of the one of the commercials that comes on, it says, uh, uh, "Are you are you dogged by anxieties? Do you have unspoken fears? Is uh, evil stomping around in your skull and you can't tell anybody about it? Well, call this number. There is always a an ear to listen to your griping." And it says, yes, the uh, the New York Council for Easing the Gripes Association makes this telephone call uh, a free call. You just call in, and they'll listen to you sympathetically. They don't say anything. They don't say, well, yeah, we'll send you $12. Or, uh, okay, we'll send the girl over. Uh, nothing like that. They just listen. Now, see, this, uh, <laughs> I don't know whether, if you, have you heard of this, see, you two guys? Either of you heard this? Well, see, I think we're becoming so inured to public service spots on commercial TV that we very rarely actually watch them. You know, there's always a little kid on crutches coming out, you know, and somebody says, give now, give now, uh, call this number. And, and you get to the point, now you don't see him, you know, it's just like uh, if there's 28 million people and you're in a rowboat, you know, and you're rolling along and uh, the ocean is all around you and, uh, and uh, your rowboat is leaking and you're rolling along and there's 28 million people in the water hollering, help, help! After a while, you just don't listen to any. I mean, 28 million people, you're not going to listen. And I think the the proliferation of pleas, it's risen to a great banshee wail. If you if you were to even send one penny, I'm going to tell you, I, I predict this. If you were to send one penny to every outfit that asks for money on any one given night on television from, say, 7 p.m., to 7 a.m. the next morning on one channel, the average man's paycheck would be gone by 8 o'clock, maybe 10 o'clock that night. One penny. <laughs> now, do you hear what I'm saying? If you ever watch it, so ultimately you don't even watch them. You know, they, uh, the, PL, the public service, the PS spots come on hour after hour after hour in the middle of all this, you know, stuff, and you, you don't see these things, you know. But once in a while, one will come winging out, like this one that said to... Are your, is your mind dogged by fears? Call this number. And a sympathetic ear, 24 hours a day, will just listen to your griping. That's all. Just listen. That's it. You want somebody to talk to? Well, <laughs> they don't say they're going to, you know, there's an analyst on the other end, or there's a priest, and just some klutz like you. Sitting at the other end, you, you call up. I don't know how it would work, though. You need to dial a number, and you say, Hello, hello. The guy says, a sympathetic ear here. Well, look, uh, oh, God. I'll tell you, 
Oh, jeez. What a time. First of all, I'll tell you. It's, first of all, it's this damn TV set. I'll tell you. For one thing, the knob. I, the knob is stripped. I have not been able to get off channel 7 now because I can't turn the channels. And I'm sitting there going out of my bird. Not only that, you know I got two tickets last week. Two tickets! Two! Fifteen bucks a piece! And why? Well, because I, I walked into the store. I had a, no place to park. You got guys got to eat, right? It's got to eat, right? Well, I go into the Gristini's, right? I park in front of the Gristini's. I'm not in there. Thirty seconds, I come out with a quart of milk. My kid's crying. He needs milk. I come in. Fifteen dollar ticket. Guy says I was lucky he didn't throw it away. What a town. What a... Oh. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. You bring up the car, right? Car. All right, I'll tell you what happened. My car. Two days after I got it. The, the, the back tooth. Only the tooth. Only two. The back ones. The two back hubcaps. Come on. Just like that. Who stole them? Who the hell knows? <sighs> hey, sympathetic ear. You still there? Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, I'm still listening. Uh, it's a very interesting story. Continue. Oh, well, all right. I'll tell you another thing. Uh, oh, God. I mean, I'm waiting in line at Macy's, right? They got these plastic sunglasses on sale. Plastic sunglasses, 79 cents. Unbreakable. All right, I go all the way downtown. Get in line. I wait in line for 45 minutes. I finally get to the head of the line. What happens? Run out of sunglasses. No sunglasses. What did they say to me? Sorry, come back. We may have some more next Monday. Huh. Well, that ain't all. I'll tell you another thing. You think you hurt? Oh, God. Oh, this place. It's time to drive me out of my bird. Right down in front of my apartment. Okay? There's only three families living in Brownstone, right? We got three, count them, three garbage. Three garbage cans in front, right? One is marked one, one is marked two, one is marked three. I live in apartment three. I go down there today with two bags of garbage wrapped in a plastic. I go down, my garbage can is filled. I never put none of it in there. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Dead fish, there's a dead cat in there, and it's all piled up all over the sidewalk. What am I going to do? So I try to put it in guys, number two is filled, number one's filled. And number one is in Bermuda. He ain't been using that garbage can. Number two died last week. Who the hell's putting garbage in our garbage cans? I call up that guy. What's his name? Crutchmer? I called Crutchmer up, and I said to Crutchmer, well, I couldn't get Crutchmer. I got his office. I said, Mr. Crutchmer's office. I said, somebody's filling up my garbage can. I said, write a letter. Write a letter. Boy, write a letter. That reminds me, I wrote a letter last month to my mother. She has not got it yet. That's the mail in New York. Where does she live? 86th Street. I live on 10th Street. One month, no letter gets to my mother. I write a letter to Kretschmer. Huh. Oh. Hey, are you listening? Yes, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. It's very exciting. Continue. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, this is the uh, this is the sympathetic ear here. Continue, sir. All right. That's not all. I want to tell you another thing. I... Oh, let me tell you this. Oh, I forgot about this one. Oh, I forgot about this one. I go down to the store. I finally get a can of milk. Right, I get this milk. I get this cotton of milk. I bring it home. I open up the cotton, and that milk has been sour for a month. 
It's been sour for a month. So I take it back, and the guy says, you must have put it in your refrigerator. I didn't say that. He don't even remember me. Are you still there? Hello, are you there? Hey, sympathetic here. Are you there? Oh, okay, so that's another thing. The sympathetic ear. Ah, you're not even going to listen to me now, huh? All right, that's the last drum. Ah. <laughs> Bring it up there, please. Now, that little drama? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's painfully familiar. Why the catalog of gripes of the average guy walking around in the city of New York, if put between soft covers, printed in tiny, tiny type, would probably weigh five times what the Manhattan phone book weighs. I mean, just walking around ordinary, kvetching little gripes. <laughs> so no wonder we need uh, we need a voice to talk to at night, just a call. All together now, it's time to sing, gang. Get ready. After this uh, endless vamp is over. Reminds you of lace curtains, doesn't it? With ball fringe hanging on the bottom. Which reminds me, this is WOR New York. Poo-poo-poo-poo. 
Lovely. Uh, reset that, please. Reset that. Uh, no, I'll tell you what you do. Uh, turn it over to the other side, which is even more instantly forgettable on that side. The Sheik of Araby, your love belongs to me. At night, when I'm out walking around, uh, we have here a little note that uh, suggests that you go to the House of Chan. It's a very fine restaurant. I recommend it very highly. The House of Chan. Excellent, excellent Chinese food. And uh, by the way, their their food is prepared instantly when you come in there. In other words, uh, they don't keep that stuff sitting around down there on the walk, you know, so that, uh, you know, they fix the uh, egg rolls four hours before you get there and they turn out to taste a little bit like fried doorknobs when you get them. Uh, they, everything is prepared the minute you order it. You know, they got 22... Angry chefs all standing at attention at their walk. You know what is it a walk? Any of you out there? You know what a walk is? It has nothing to do with taking the uh, dachshund out for a walk. Uh, <laughs> a walk is a great big Chinese pan, like, you know, it's a big thing. It looks like a parabolic reflector. If you took a walk, you know, and you drilled a hole in it and put a little quarter wave antenna sticking out of the middle of it, you'd be in business. You could pick up incoming enemies. But, uh, Nevertheless, they <laughs> not bad, is it? They have 22 guys standing by their shining walks waiting for your order. And don't think they're going to like it if you order a big burger or a cheeseburger. You order this magnificent Chinese food at the House of Chan, 52nd and 7th Avenues in the heart of downtown swinging, fantastic, unbelievable, griping New York. Oh, I'm the chic. And speaking of restaurants... I have another one here, and I'm going to put it right next to the House of Chan because it's, it's also a legend in this city. For, the, for those of you who uh, like to dig into a little uh, northern Italian French food, which I happen to go for in a big way. This is To me, I like the northern Italian food much better than the southern Italian food, which is very different. Very few people make that, you know, the, these days, that differentiation, but it's really different. In other words, the further south you go in... Uh, in Italy, the more you run to pasta, you know, fettuccine, all this jazz, uh, you know, uh, linguine and, and uh, fettuccine, and uh, clamo sauce. But as you get uh, further north, uh, they they, uh, they run more to elegant seafood and very elegant uh, veal dishes. And then when you get way up in the northern part of uh, Italy, right by the French border, you have a very interesting cuisine, which is French slash Italian. And this is what Jack's Epicure specializes in. It's a great restaurant. It's been there for 50 years. It's an elegant restaurant. And it's at 344 West 46th Street. In other words, if you're going to the theater, it's right off the theater district. It's a couple of blocks away from the theater district. In fact, it's, uh, it's right damn near in the heart of it. 344 West 46th Street. It's a perfect place for a before-show dinner. And they have an elegant bar, very, very fine, fine uh, prices. And according to their uh, 
their menu. And this is according to their copy, too. The prices will remind you of 1947, which is quite true. It's great food at uh, really interesting prices. They have baked clams, breast of capon. Listen to this one, a fillet of sole with grapes. That's typical northern uh, Italian, believe it or not. And it's Jack's Epicure, 344 West 46th Street. And incidentally, this restaurant is named Jack's Epicure because it was started back in the 20s and was the most elegant speakeasy in the city of New York. It really was. And I didn't know, you know, I was talking to the, to the uh, you know, the people there, and he said, uh, he says, you know, that in the days when speakeasies were really big, I mean, the real speakeasies, they weren't like the movies show them. You know, guys knocking on the door and they're sitting there drinking this stuff. He says, the way a really elegant New York speakeasy was, it was like a, an underground restaurant, really good food. He said, all the showbiz people would come there. And Jack's Epicure is the last of the great speakeasies in New York. And it's a genuine one. 344 East 46th Street. Or West, rather. I'm sorry. 344 West 46. And they're open uh, a lot of time. Uh, they're open, let's see, they're open every day except Sunday. Luncheon and dinner are served every weekday. Okay? Uh, you know, oh, well, I was going to tell you what happened in Seattle. I started out, you know, telling you this, the, the great straw on the wind. <laughs> well, when I went out to Seattle, as I said before, I went out to Seattle, and the first thing they all told me was about the Seattle Rumor Center. And I said, what's the Seattle Rumor Center? And uh, they said, well, give them a call, see what happens. And uh, so I did, and I, and I, I you know, I just picked up the phone, I, I put a dime in it, and I, I called from a street corner phone, and uh, this voice came out and says, uh, Seattle Rumor Center. And I said, oh, uh, is this the rumor center? Yes. Uh, is there anything you care to know about? And I said, yes, I, I've heard a rumor. Uh, I've heard a rumor that was, is, I read it in the underground paper here, and the rumor is that California is going to fall off the continent, that California is going to sink. Now, that rumor is very big in underground papers. I have two rumors. Uh, that uh, One is California is going to fall into the ocean sometime next year, and the other rumor is that the Paul McCartney is dead. I've heard that rumor many times in the underground paper, and they said it's, there's a code in the Beatles records that tells you that. Is this true? Uh, would you please tell me about those rumors? Uh, yes. One moment, please. Uh, the uh, California rumor here is filed under number 10B. That rumor is totally untrue. The uh, California Seismographic Institution says that California will not fall into the ocean until the late... Uh, 1980s. The report that it will fall into the ocean early in 1972 is untrue. It will fall into the ocean in the late 1880s. Now, as far as the next rumor is concerned, that's filed here under 13L. Yes, uh, McCartney. Uh, McCartney, McCartney, Ma Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney is alive and is living in Ipswich, England. He has opened a clam bar there and is doing quite well and is open for business. Uh, be sure to call us the next time you want to check on a rumor. Thank you very much. That's for God's sakes. You can really call this place and they tell you about rumors. That's actually what happened. So at that point, I thought, now there's a great idea. <laughs> well, I hereby, I hereby report there's an interesting straw in the wind. According to the Associated Press... The Seattle Rumor Center has closed. It was a fantastic success four years ago. It is out of rumors. 
that rumors no longer are, are uh, there's not as many rumors as there were. Well, now that's a, that's a really interesting <laughs> straw on the wind. And, and uh, he says, I, I can't figure it out. The head of it is the Reverend Everett J. Jensen, who is the president of the four-year-old uh, nonprofit center for rumors. He says, well, we uh, can't understand it. We have plenty of funds and plenty of backing from the city and the county, but we just don't have any rumors anymore. So we're going out of business. How do you like that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what a fantastic thing it would be if the gripe center, the city of New York, was out of business? No more, no more gripes. Well, would you agree that would be a straw in the wind? <laughs> well, n no. I think most people live their entire lives by rumors. Very few people ever know anything actually. It's all rumor. I mean, I'm very serious about that. What? 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 You know? What is it? What is a? You know? Rumor. Rumor is just a, a, a thing that sort of gets circulated everybody kind of believes it and uh and nobody and nobody questions it and, and in fact a rumor can eventually become accepted as an absolute fact nobody nobody argues with it like uh, you know like uh, one of the great rumors of all time occurred in the early the year early in the year 1927 i have uh, absolute uh, uh incontrovertible proof to that effect that a man standing on the street corner of 17th and Vine in the city of Philadelphia just casually mentioned to another guy uh, just mentioned to another guy says you know I, I believe that they, the future of the nation we will be saved by the youth of this country well there was a guy walking past and heard this and uh, he got down to his office which is on Chestnut Street in the 1700 block uh, it was a law firm. He wasn't a lawyer himself, but he worked as a clerk there. He went up to the 10th floor and then uh, walked uh, past the receptionist, and he said, Hey, listen, uh, honey, I just uh, heard a fantastic rumor that uh, we're being saved by the kids, that the children are going to save the world. And uh, I heard this rumor, and she says, Well, who said it? He says, Well, it was a very important scientist. I don't know his name, but uh, he's down there, uh, uh, down there talking on the street, and everybody heard him talking. She says, Really? And uh, she then, at that point, picked up the phone and called her friend Vera, who, by the way, lived in Camden. Uh, Vera, incidentally, worked in a furrier shop in Camden, which is of no importance to this uh, story, except that it, for historical uh, accuracy, she did work as a uh, as a cashier in a furrier shop. And she called up Vera and says, Hey, Vera, do you know what I just heard? I just heard a rumor. In fact, it's a fact. It's not a rumor. I just heard... A, a, a scientist say, in fact, there was a whole group of scientists over at Hahnemann Hospital, as a matter of fact, say that children's brains are bigger and they're stronger and they're capable of deeper thoughts this time, in this his this point in history, than at any other time. Isn't that fantastic? And Vera says, well, why? Well, I don't know what it must be. It must be the food or something. You know, people are eating Wheaties now. And they never ate Wheaties years ago. And it's the Wheaties, the Breakfast of Champions, that's throwing it to them. Well, for God's sakes, that rumor spread over the country like a vast tidal wave, and now it's no longer even cons considered a rumor. It's considered a fact that all children are smarter than adults. This is a, considered an absolute fact in any conceivable field, ranging all the way from, uh, well, uh, international relationships, uh, <laughs> uh, political theory. You should name anything, ask your kid, and he'll tell you. It is, a, is it a true fact? In fact, have you seen the commercials recently about the, the Pontiac? Ask a teenage expert. He'll tell you about what car to buy. You've seen that. 
Well, that's all part and parcel. Nobody accepts the fact that it's a rumor. It's just a fact now. So rumors are what most of us live by. A lot of people are instantly going to write me and say, no, that's, that's not a rumor, that's fact. Well, that's the, that's the point I make, is that a rumor quickly becomes fact once it is uh, you know, circulated plenty enough times. Uh, it uh, finally gets to the point where nobody even wants to hear about the truth. Because the truth at that point then seems to be a rumor. See, it goes full circle. <laughs> well, anybody who's ever been in the Army, I'll tell you, uh, has ever been in the Army, he knows, or in any of the armed services, he knows that the rumor has a peculiar, virulent life of its own. And, uh, of course, the idea of the Seattle Rumor Center is not new to anybody that's been in the armed forces. The Rumor Center, as a matter of fact, was a latrine in the Army. That was, that was the Rumor Center. And that was where rumors achieved their greatest vibrant life and, in fact, flowered and blossomed and became richer and more redolent by the hour. And uh, guys would sit around and think up rumors. In fact, I remember Gasser one time uh, sitting, uh, sitting on his, uh, his footlocker. See, we were in a radar company, you know, and all these guys uh, messed around with radar, see, and, and uh, Gasser's sitting on his footlocker, and, and he was a great student of the rumor. And uh, so there's always people who love rumors. What do you think gossip columnists survive on? Uh, you know, the Earl Wilson syndrome. Uh, who is dating who with the uh, initials LD, dot, dot, dot? Could it be OL, dot, 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 question mark? We're only asking. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, people love this glob. The fact is lo- far less interesting than rumor. Because uh, rumor can be anything. Fact is only a finite substance. You know? And uh, today, rumors proliferate. They proliferate in political speeches. They proliferate in the, in the, a lot of Nader's stuff is rumor, you know. <laughs> and they're great. You love it. See, it was once reported that a lady Chevrolet took off and flew 7,000 feet in the air in Pittsburgh. And I want the General Motors people to. So, you know, by the time you fight this rumor to earth, it, uh, you know, it's, uh, the public all believes that it actually happened, and that's the end of it. See, there's no question about it. So rumors are very exciting. And many a career has been built on rumors. And in fact, Gasser's career in the Army, I, I recognize as one of the great careers built on the rumor. Gasser became our resident Earl Wilson. He, he, any rumor, Gasser knew. I mean, you'd, you'd come in and he would hold court. Uh, every night after, after Chow, Gasser would very casually uh, take his uh, dirty fatigues or his old, uh, his belt, uh, his cartridge belt, or whatever he had to go, you know. And he would go down to spend his evening holding court in the john, in the latrine. And it became recognized that Gasser would be in the company latrine uh, for consultation uh, between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m., at which point uh, he would go back into the barracks and uh, he would hang up his now clean fatigues, which are going to be drying overnight, and to proceed to uh, close up shop. He would not discuss any rumor when he returned to the barracks. His office hours were in the latrine from 7 to 9. And, <laughs> and of course, Gasser realized that people who are told that there are no rumors are vastly disappointed. So Gasser, realizing that his audience, just like a tea leave reader, uh, realizes that the person who comes into the tea leave to get their palm read already have some anxieties or they wouldn't be 
No way. I mean, if you're feeling groovy, you got no worries. You're not going to go and get you. You know, and, and, and so there's a certain kind of person who has these little vague uh, fears over their head all the time. See, so they'll take any straw. They'll read the Abbey. Uh, they'll read horoscopes. Any damn thing they can lay their hands on. See, and so there, there's an old George Aid, uh, uh, great George Aid, the moral. He says, "Give them what they think they want." Did you hear that? Give them what they think they want, not what they want. Give them what they think they want. So, if a woman comes into the tea reader, and uh, you know, Madame Zaza, and that uh, she you know pays the seven dollars or whatever, you know, crossing the palm with silver is out of date now because there's been inflation in the tea reading business. You do not cross any palms with silver, friend. <laughs> no way. It's nice, crump, crumply, crackling, folding money. So you cross the palm with the crackling money, and Madame Zaja then uh, sits there and swirls the tea around, at which point she then says, Ah, I see. This is very interesting. Very interesting. Have you been having some difficulties lately? Well, of course. Why should the hell is she there? And immediately this woman says, This woman... Madame Zaza has fantastic insight. Already she sees I'm having problems. At which point then she says, and does this problem involve, well, how shall I put it, uh, does it involve a man? What problems don't to a woman? I mean, <laughs> so immediately the woman says, oh my God, what insight. She's fantastic. Uh, may I seize your hand, please? Oh, it's a very interesting very interesting. You see this line here is the one that crosses with that and it points out to the North Star. This one here is pointing directly to the second moon of Orion. This is very interesting. You realize what this means? That you are a very generous person. You are not only a generous person but people are taking advantage of you. See that little line there says people's taking advantage. That line is a long one. That means people take advantage of you. Is this true? What? person does not think that people are taking advantage of them. Name one person. Impossible. So instantly this woman again thinks, my God, this woman is eerie. She knows everything. At which point then she says, ah, yes, but I see something else. I see that uh, you are having money troubles. You have problems occasionally with money. I can see this. See, because this line here curves down, and you notice it makes... Can you see that there? This is a, a partly erased dollar sign. You see that? Very interesting. You are having problems. Well, she could tell that instantly, because the lady's sitting there with her elbows sticking out of her coat, you know, and she's got cardboard sticking out of the bottom of her shoes. Well, <laughs> rumor is a groovy thing. So, Gasser would take advantage of that. I remember Gasser squatting down there, you know, in the latrine. And uh, he's got his wet fatigues piled up next to us. He always goes in there and washes his fatigues. He's got his wet fatigues there. Five guys are in there taking a shower, and you can hear them clomping around in their clogs, yelling back and forth. And Gasser has taken one of the, one of the central seats in the latrine, of which there were 25 in a row. And Gasser is squatting there with his fatigues piled on you know, and he's ringing out his belt or he's ringing out his his, uh, his leggings or something. You know, he's looking very... He never... He, by the way, one thing about a true rumor expert, he never volunteers a rumor. He only confirms the worst fears of the guy that's come in. Or... 
<laughs> using Gasser's technique, he may insinuate a second or a third rumor in the rumor that the guy has brought in. This is the true rumor expert. And so guys would come in. I remember one night, I'm in the latrine there, you know, and taking a shower, and I'm watching Gasser at work because he was so great at it. Gasser's squatting down there, see? And up comes Edwards. Edwards was the truck driver in our company. And the Edwards was a soured man. At the beginning with Edwards, uh, like his buddy, there were two truck drivers. They worked in shifts, Edwards and Elkins. Now, uh, both of them had uh, their own secret sorrow. Elkins was the more interesting because Elkins had enlisted in the Army under the mistaken belief that we're going to make him an air cadet. You know, he saw one of those signs, you know, it says your future, and it shows the planes flying and all that, the guy looking out of the, out of the cockpit, and he's got these big goggles looking real groovy. And he signed up. Well, 12 minutes after he signed up, they discovered he not only had uh, an advanced case of astigmatism, he was also colorblind, and he was only three feet nine inches tall. Now, they didn't tell him that before, at which point they said, sorry, Elkins, uh, no more, uh, no flying for you. However, we'll give you the next best thing. We'll make you a truck driver. And so Elkins had a 50-mission crush hat, you know, <laughs> a whole bit. And he drove that, uh, listen, he drove that quarter-ton truck. He drove, he, we had all these little trucks, you know, we had all kinds of trucks. He drove our panel truck. He drove our, our uh, you know, we had, we had a, we had a two-and-a-half-ton truck. He drove those babies low, man, and mean. And he was bitter. He was bitter. Every time we'd go to the post-movies, I always had movies of the Air Force, you know, and he'd sit back there and glower at him back. You know. <laughs> he had everything but a pair of tin wings on for flying that truck. So Elkins and Edwards were pretty sore guys. So Edwards comes in. Edwards, by the way, was meticulous and a worrisome guy. You know, the, I've noticed that neatness, very excessive neatness, often is the sign of a very nervous person, a very insecure person. Have you noticed that? Oh, I asked the wrong guy. Look at how neat he is. <laughs> no, guys that are always dusting things, you know, making sure that everything is clean. These are guys that, that, uh, that uh, you know, very twitchy people in a lot of ways. And they, they, they really are because uh, psychologically, you know, there's, a, there's all kinds of reasons for it. But Edwards was fantastically... Uh, he was, he was, in fact, not only excessively neat, but he caused us to have a lot of trouble during uh, inspections. For example, uh, we would be having an inspection Saturday morning, and everybody's polished his belt buckle. You know what Edwards would do? Edwards would polish, now get this, he would polish the little brass grommets on his GI shoes where the laces went through. Well, I mean, everybody's standing there with their shoes shine and everything, and his grommets are glowing, at which point Lieutenant Cherry would gig the whole damn company for dirty grommets in their shoes, and only Edwards. So he was starting this all the time. See, so he's that kind of guy. So Edwards, he used to play Edwards right to the hilt. And I remember Gasser sitting there, you know, he's right in the middle of the, you can hear the shower going. Edwards comes in and says, uh, Gasser, and the guest says, yes, Edwards. Uh, Gasser, you know, um, I heard we're going to ship. Is there anything to that, that we're going to ship? Well, see, all nervous guys are always afraid to change jobs. 
even if they're in some hellhole, they don't want to leave it because their theory always is that the next hellhole has to be worse. So here we are in this, this absolute armpit of the world and that everybody had heat rash, had lice, fleas. The temperature was 400 degrees on a cool day. We did not have more than a, a teaspoon of water to drink, and he was afraid we were going to ship. At which point, the gasser says, yes, yes, there is, uh, there have been orders cut. I'm, I, I, I can say that definitely. There have been orders cut. Well, of course, now he's got Edwards, you know, flipping. What, what do you mean orders cut? Where'd you hear that? I'm not at liberty to divulge my, my informant. However, it is a, it is a usually reliable source. Let's put it this way. It's as high as it's, it's beyond the regiment and headquarters. It's in the army area. Edwards is white. Apparently, Gasser has got an informant, at, you know, an army headquarters, like second army, third army, fourth army. You, know. this is, you can't argue with that kind of rumor. So then he says, well, do you have any idea where we're going? This is always a nervous thing. At which point Edwards is standing there now, looking, trying to look casual, but you can see the sweat pouring off his nose. Gasset then says, uh, let's put it this way, Edwards. I have another bit of information for you. That the Army headquarters is making available to all of us extra GI insurance. Edwards, oh my God, extra GI insurance! You realize, of course, only in the case of highly hazardous duty. In fact, suicidal duty. Are you allowed to sign up for, say, $20,000 of GI insurance instead of ten? Well, now Edwards is shaking. Oh, God. And uh, he says, uh, Do you know what this is going to be? you have any idea? See, he's figuring when, when he's going to go over the hills. <laughs> when he's going to shoot himself in the foot or something. Yeah, any idea when it's going to be? Gas, you're playing it cool. See, he's a true expert. He rings out the foot of the fatigue a little more. And he says, well, no, not actually. In fact, uh, it could be almost momentarily. However, I will tell you one thing, Edwards. It's a very interesting reason why we're shipping. Pregnant pause. At this point, everybody in the whole latrine stopped. Why are we shipping? The idea that we were shipping was something we'd always heard. And we were always going to be shipped to some place where we'd be instantly disintegrated. But the why? Dead silence. You can hear the guys turning the showers off so they can hear you. The water stops. Gansey says, There's a lot of rumors around. But I'll tell you something I heard from Second Army Medical Headquarters. Now oh, it's getting official. Second Army Medical Headquarters. It has to do... With us, well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say any more about it. I don't want to cause any. I don't want to cause you guys to worry. No, no, forgot. What? What do you mean? What do you mean? Worry, worry? Says it has to do. Well, all right, I'll tell you. Let's put it this way: it has to do with a certain virus that's found in this area. A certain virus found in this area. We're being shipped out because where we are is killing us. We don't know about it. Everybody's heat rash began to really hurt. 
I said, oh my God, I must have leprosy. What the hell is this? We're shipping out because this place is, is lethal. Of course, immediately everybody starts pumping, pumping gasser. I, 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 I can't say anymore. Because I heard the, I heard that the, if anybody discusses this, it's a, it's a federal offense. Jesus, federal offense. There was a dead silence. And you know, that rumor persisted for two years. Years after we shipped out of this place, I would meet guys and somebody would say, weren't you at the... I'd say, yeah. Said, My God, you survived. I heard they had some kind of a plague there. Thousands of guys died. Some kind of terrible virus. And I knew the man that started it. Years after I got out of the army, I met Gasser and I said, Gasser, what about that virus? That fungus or whatever the hell it was. It was going to kill everybody. He said, that was great, wasn't it? That was a good one. I said, what do you mean it was a good one? Because all the while I was figuring one day I was going to start withering away. You know, my head would start dehydrating or something. You mean you were kidding? Oh, come on. Are you? Yeah, he says, listen, he said, some of my rumors are now in medical textbooks. I started rumors that are still believed firmly by people of, you know, all over the world. He says, uh, did you hear about the one that I started about radar making you uh, sterile? <laughs> That's a good one. You started that? Well, I don't... You never know, gang. This is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News. News in detail on the hour from the WOR Newsroom. Action to end the United...